Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And uh, that's what we're doing. That's what worship is. Worship is taking our eyes off of everything else and fixing on it, fixing it on him, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus, we do that today. We fix our eyes on you, our thoughts, our attention, our focus on you. You're worthy of it. You deserve it today. In every heart and every life here today, we fix our thoughts and our eyes on you. You are great in every way, Jesus, and we love you today. In your mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated today for just a quick moment. Do you know that human interaction and greeting will raise your IQ 2%? Did you know that? If you're going to ask me where I, I source that from, I, I'm not 100% sure. I just heard that one day. So be smart for the next couple minutes and greet somebody. Let's take a few minutes and do that. God bless you guys as you take a few moments and greet each other today. Well, we're going to be receiving our morning tithe and offering. And I have a scripture I want to read you. And it's uh, from the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I think that's probably the thing, not probably, it is the thing that makes giving um, the most powerful is when it is done in love. And so as we give today in love, love for God, love for others, uh, be encouraged and, and know that that giving is done in power when it's done in love. Lord, thank you that we get the privilege and the honor of worshiping in you, you in this way today. I pray you would take this offering and bless it to not only further your kingdom, but to further your, uh, the love of you, Jesus, around this world. In Jesus' name, amen.
to everyone here. Great to see some people. I know the Williams are here. I haven't seen them in a long time. I saw Don Myers and we got a married couple that's here. First time as a married couple. We got a great time. Give everyone a hand here. Good to see all of you here today. And uh, hey, if you have your, you came in and you grabbed your bulletin, just a couple things. As you can see on there, there's a lot of upcoming information about what's currently happening Wednesday night in the adult class. What is coming in the adult class as well as Sunday morning series that are coming up and the youth calendar here. So make sure you check all of this out and uh, we want you to, to not miss that. And be in prayer. Um, we have uh, tomorrow is our, uh, our one of our four Mondays that as a youth ministry we're calling it Summer Serve and we're tomorrow we're meeting here for prayer at 8 o'clock. And for those that are coming, students that are coming out, be here at 8 sharp. We're going to have prayer and worship together. Let them know what's going on for the day. We're actually going to be heading to the Sunday Breakfast Mission Warehouse tomorrow to sort stuff and just help them uh, be able to do uh, the things that God is calling them to do. And uh, so it's going to be a good day tomorrow, but be in prayer for us as we do that. And we have something special coming up that I want to let you know, announce today. We could have the, the Rocky, uh, let me get the Rocky challenge there. How many have ever seen any of the Rocky movies? Okay. And how about the new ones that came out later in the series? Creed, those are really good ones. If you're younger, you're, you're more tuned with the Creed movies. And, uh, but if you've seen the, the Rocky movies, then uh, maybe the original one you've seen, the art museum in Philadelphia where Rocky runs up those 74 stairs. And so what we're going to be doing as a youth ministry is this, is we're uh, challenging students to... Grab these forms here. We have them out in the lobby. Uh, you wouldn't want to grab these forms because they would be of no use to you. Uh, but the info sheets, you'd want to grab those that are out there. And what we're, what we're saying is, hey, find people that will sponsor you per step to run up the, the art museum steps. So we're going to be going there August 20th, and we're going to be running up those stairs or walking or crawling. I don't know. Um, and so... Uh, we're going to be doing that on the 20th, but we're getting sponsors between now and then. If you do a penny a step, it's $10, two pennies, $20, three pennies, 30, so on and so forth. And students, just to let you know, okay, this guy here this morning, I am nothing, I never have claimed to be anything special. I'm a regular guy. But this morning, with God's help, I've already raised over $1,800 for the Rocky Challenge. And I think you can give God a hand. I had, I had, uh, I just went up to folks, you know, they, they probably sponsored me because they thought, let me pad this a little bit in case he needs some, you know, money for the hospital later or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But, but over $1,800 came in and um, uh, that's how easy it is. Students, there are people that will be here uh, today. They'll be here Wednesday. They'll be here next Sunday. Maybe some miss this Sunday. And, and they'll help you out. They'll, they'll look at you and they'll say, 
They'll say, yeah, I'll give you 10 bucks. Yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks for that. So don't, don't overlook people. Just ask them. And if they can't, you know, hey, just you know, maybe catch me in a couple weeks. That's fine. The money won't be due until the end of August. But uh, get these sponsors. And parents, uh, encourage your students to be able to do that. Uh, because it really is one of those things. Once you get rolling, it's actually raising money is addictive. Because once you ask one person, you're like, they didn't, they didn't yell at me. They didn't push me away. They said, okay. And then it's, it's exciting to be able to do that. And the project this year, which we're going to get more info on in the weeks to come, is, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, we're going to be working with um, Project Rescue and uh, a project they have going on in India, which is powerful. And so that is our Speed the Light project we're gonna be working on. So this really, this, this right, right now until August 20th, please see a student, students, catch these adults, go home, call your aunts and uncles, catch your grandparents, your neighbors, whoever you might see, random strangers in the street, I don't care. Um, but raise money for our project we have coming up um, uh, this, this month here. And then, uh, as far as the rest of the announcements, make sure you're aware of what's happening here uh, uh, during the week. Uh, our pastor is not here today, and uh, he'll, he'll, I'll let him explain why, but he's not here. And he recorded himself, pre-recorded himself yesterday, and, um, uh, and he'll share a little bit about uh, why he's not here. But he's continuing that message on freedom. And so I'm not sure uh, maybe where you're at in life, what's happening in your world right now. But I pray that God's word would find a place in your heart today and that you'd be able to really take home some truths about freedom that'll be important to you. God bless you as we view today's message. Well, hello there. I'm sorry I can't be with you this morning in person, uh, but after being away this past week, camping with over 2,400 other Royal Ranger uh, leaders and boys in the Missouri Ozarks this past week, 19 of which are from our own church. Uh, we came home Friday night late, and I found out that someone from our group tested positive uh, Saturday morning, just yesterday morning, but, but without symptoms. And so I decided to test myself. I uh, had my own personal nurse, my wife Kathy, uh, test me. She tested me twice with two different test kits, and I tested positive for COVID. And so Rather me risk getting you infected, I decided I'd skip church this morning and uh, record today's message in advance. So thanks, Pastor Brandon, for coming out Saturday afternoon to have church with just me. Uh, and I do hope and pray that today's message will be effective. Um, I want to share with you a video uh, message, very brief, by Tony Evans, that'll kind of set the tone because we are going to hit on our final installment uh, of this series on freedom. We started it July 3rd, Pastor Hans preached last Sunday morning, and uh, today I'm going to wrap it up. Um, but we're going to watch this video, and then we'll come right back and get into our message. I'm standing in the hall of the USS Constellation. It's in Baltimore Harbor. This ship was a special ship because it was a freedom ship. It roamed the seas to identify slave ships that had taken slaves from Africa to recapture those slaves and to bring them back to their homeland. It was a ship of deliverance. Freedom matters. We are in a harbor where 
some of the battles were fought for freedom even in the United States of America. And Jesus Christ is about freedom. In fact, it is our Savior who said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Freedom can be seen in the good news of the gospel. First of all, it's seen in the gospel's content, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. But then freedom extends to the scope of the gospel. Jesus says in Luke 4, I've come to preach good news to the poor, the oppressed, to set the captives free. So God wants people to be free for heaven, but he also wants them to be delivered from illegitimate bondage on earth. The gospel's content takes care of eternity. The gospel's scope takes care of history. This ship reminds us that the gospel's scope is designed to set the captives. Well, that was really encouraging to hear Tony Evans talk about a ship that took slaves back to their home country, really a ship of deliverance. And, you know, obviously we all love freedom. We all love the sense of being free. And yet, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt us to question or to consider just how free we really are. Because the truth is that not, not one of us can be completely and totally free in every area of life or in decision making. Because you see, there are always boundaries to freedom. There are always limits to our freedom as individuals. I mean, obviously, my freedom ends at the exact place that your rights and privileges begin. In all of my freedom, I have no right. I personally have no right, be it moral or legal, to supersede or to run over your basic freedoms. And so technically, my freedom and your freedom are somewhat limited. They, they're, it's, it's, it, they're not exhaustive. It, it's not open-ended. It's not an unbridled freedom. And speaking about being unbridled, consider with me for a moment, you know, a wild horse out on the plains of the north central United States. It, it, it may seem completely free. No man has yet broken that horse. It's not confined to a stable, nor is it hitched to a wagon or, or hooked up to a cart of any kind of, for, for the sake of subservience. And we tend to think of that animal, as we, as we imagine that animal, we think of it being completely wild and free, don't we? Just a horse running across the prairie. But is it totally free? Or is it just an image that we overlay based upon uh, uh, maybe too simple an observation? You see, that wild horse still has fears. It has fears of predators, of being taken down by a mountain lion in the dark of night. It has no shelter when the snows and blizzards blow in at wintertime. It has to be constantly on the move looking for good range so that it can have something to eat or maybe enough to eat. And so you see, although it's free from the restraints of man, it's still bound and is confined by nature and basic survival. Now, on the other side of the coin, I want you to consider the horse that's been domesticated. It's not free to roam like its distant cousin. It, it can't just go through the prairies for miles and miles and have no cares, supposedly no cares, but it has a stable with straw and hay to eat. It's sheltered from the, from the elements. I mean, it may have work chores, but it doesn't have to worry about food or predators or, or even the weather. 
And so let's just ask ourselves, which horse is more free? Which horse is truly more free? You see, what I'm trying to convey to you today is that freedom can be a very subjective concept. One man's junk, you've heard this, one man's junk is another man's treasure. One man's ceiling is another man's floor. And again, some people equate freedom with self-governance, the freedom to yield to no one but themselves, self-determination, even to the extreme. And that's just not possible. You know, one man's freedom can actually be bondage. Another man's bondage can be tremendous freedom. But self-determination to the extreme is not necessarily freedom. And in fact, I don't think it's possible to believe that, I, that you can be totally free of all influence. I believe that's an illusion. And to quote the great American philosopher of the 1970s, Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. That was one of the songs on his, I think it was his first album, Slow Train Coming. He sang a song, you got to serve somebody. It's either the devil or the Lord. I mean, it's simple, but you know what? It's theological. It's biblically accurate. It really is the truth. Listen, listen to how the apostle Paul stated this in Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Romans 6, verse 11 through 18. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Hallelujah. Because you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey your heart, from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You see, we're either going to be a slave to, to, to righteousness or we're going to be a slave to sin. We're either going to be a slave to God or we're going to be a slave to the enemy. You have to serve somebody. And, you know, you may even think that all of, our, all of your own desires are truly your own, that they're original to your own soul. But in fact, they are constantly being influenced either by the Lord or by the enemy. When the enemy's involved, we call it temptation. And so we have to decide who we're going to be submissive to. We have to choose, we have to, and we have the power to choose either sin or righteous deeds. Jesus used the same illustration about choosing when he, when he talked about money in the Gospels. He made it clear to us that each one of us cannot serve both God and money. We're either going to love the one and forsake the other. We have to choose. And here's something else from the Bible that makes this whole issue even more clear. The Bible, from the earliest pages, verses, speaks to us against idolatry. And what is idolatry? Most basic definition is this. Idolatry is putting others before God. Set, put other things before God. 
Setting up a desire for something other than God. Pushing God aside and putting something else or even someone else on his throne. And as we know, the choices are endless. I mean, the, the idols that we can worship are endless. It could be another person in our lives. It might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It can even be a spouse. It could be a favorite pastime or a sport or a distraction, a hobby. It could be something like fame, the pursuit of money. We can even worship ourselves. And when we do this, we engage in idolatry and we are no longer free because we become slaves to the very thing that we worship. We become slaves to the idol. And I can say this because although, you know, we imagine that we're possessing the idol, you know what's happening in truth? That idol is possessing us. It's grabbed hold of our heart. At the very least, it's, it's grabbed hold of our minds. We focus on it. We live for it. We want more of it. It grabs hold of our hearts and our minds, just as Paul had said. And we read this from Romans 6.16 a moment ago. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? And so since the Apostle Paul and Bob Dylan have both informed us that we're going to be serving someone, why not choose the best master of all? The one person in all eternity who can truly grant us genuine freedom. And of course, I'm speaking of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, I get this from John chapter 8, verse 34, 35, 36. It, it says this, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free. Indeed. Hallelujah. God is so good. The, the only way to be truly free is by come, becoming a slave to Jesus. In fact, almost every epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote, I mean, be it to an individual in, in the New Testament or to a church group, he almost always introduces himself as a slave, specifically a slave of Jesus Christ. To the Roman church, he started his letter this way. He said, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. You see, he clearly understood. He clearly grasped this concept of the need for every one of us to be tethered or chained or bound to the master. In order to be safe, in order to be truly free, he understood that we need to choose to offer ourselves as slaves to Christ. For if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so it's really sad for me when I think of the average unsaved person in the world today. They think they're free. I mean, like the wild horse on the Great Plains of the United States. They have no shelter. They don't really know who their provider is. They, they don't have the sense of security that you and I have as believers. They falsely revel in what they have convinced themselves is freedom. I can still remember those days before I came to Christ. I thought I was free. I was living a life of delusion. I was living a life of ignorant delusion. I was wild and free, but not really, because I did not yet know the truth. I was only living an illusion. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says about this in John 8, 32. Listen to this. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Only the person who knows the truth of the gospel is truly free. It's that simple. 
Our freedom comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And thank God that every man and woman has the ability and the freedom to choose to follow Christ. We really do. Every man and woman and, and, and child. And as I said earlier, there are limits to our freedom. There are always going to be limits. But again, our decisions, though limited, are limited by boundaries. I want you to understand there is no limit to our freedom to choose. Our choices are limited, but there's no limit to our ability to decide. In other words, again, there's only two choices, either the devil or the Lord, either sin or righteousness. But we have the ability at any given moment, any given day, to make the right choice. God cannot make us choose his way. And I know that grieves a lot of us. It bothers a lot of us because we've got family members who haven't chosen Jesus Christ. And we can't force him. And we explain to them how, how good he is. You know, I've been thinking of a passage in the word, taste and see how, you know, the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see that he's good. We can't make them. God cannot make them choose him. But you know, likewise, Satan cannot make us choose to sin. And this is because we are free moral agents. Every man, woman, child has a God-given ability to choose. God, just as God has free will, we have free will. Some will choose against God. Others will choose for God. And of course, Scripture teaches that every human being will be held accountable someday in the future for the choices they make today. The Bible tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction that deals with choice. In Matthew 7, 13, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that gate. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Again, that is implying choice. In the book of Revelation, in the last days, we're told that all the dead will be judged. Listen to this. Revelation 20, verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And again, all this is based upon choice. Making a choice now in this life that will have repercussions concerning the next life. And understand this, that all choices have consequences. I think we know that. The Bible describes this concept um, when it teaches about the law of sowing and reaping. And, And the Bible teaches that in many, many places. What we do now will have an impact in the future. It'll have an impact upon your future. It'll have an impact on someone else's future. And so right now, we have the capacity to impact the future because we have the freedom of choice. God has given us this freedom, this incredible gift called freedom so that we can choose. Now, I'm about to close, but there are two ancient passages that tell us about the consequences of our freedom to choose. 
One of these is Deuteronomy 28, where it talks about blessings and curses that follow our actions. And the other passage is only two chapters away from that one, and it follows the same theme. And I'm going to close with just this one single verse. Again, the first passage is Deuteronomy 28. This, I'm going to read, is from Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, two choices, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I have set before you life and death. Now choose life. Folks, it's our freedom as believers to choose life, to choose to be obedient to God and to receive life. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you have created us in your very image. Just, Lord God, just as you have the freedom of will, of volition, you gave that to us. And soon after you created man and woman, Adam and Eve, because they had the power to choose, they chose against you. They chose to believe the lies of the devil. And Father, I pray that we would not follow our ancient mother and father. Lord, that we would choose you, that we would be like the apostles in the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul, that we would, Lord, that we would make ourselves slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the right choice. Lord, that we'd be obedient to you, that the only boundaries that we would have are those that you give to us for the sake of our blessing, our health, our safety, our prosperity. Lord, when you put limits on us, it's to protect us because you love us. And Lord, I pray that we never want to be free of that because as we read in your word, we're going to serve somebody. We can offer the members of our body to righteousness to God, or we can offer it to sin. And we rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, we give our lives to you again today. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to you that we would be your slaves and your servants. Lord, use us for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Amen, amen. Uh, freedom, what an incredible reality for those who follow Christ. And, you know, if you're here today and you might be a grandparent, uh, the choices you make as a grandparent, what you're going to invest and leave behind, what you're going to spend your time in prayer for is powerful. If you're a parent, what you're going to make the priority of your home to be is powerful. You know, if you're a young man or a young woman looking toward the future, what direction are you, what are you going to make important? What are you going to set your, your sight toward is important. Uh, if you're a middle school or a high school student, how are you going to live your life? How are people going to know you? The choices you make are powerful. And uh, if, uh, I guess my challenge for you today would be this. Uh, pastor, as he always does, he gives us a, a good amount of scripture 
And uh, I had a teacher in college said, you know, make sure you use a lot of the Bible in your messages so at least something you say will be anointed. And uh, pastor does not disappoint. He gives us that. When you get home today, at some point during the day, this is going to be posted. Re-listen to this. And maybe you want to look at some of those scriptures again. Because uh, in Galatians 5.1, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Like in and of just, just, just the fact that freedom is there. That's why he set you free. There is so much incredible power in that freedom he gives. So could we stand together this morning? Lord, we honor your great name. Lord, there are some in this room here that experienced freedom many years ago. Lord, some more recently. But the reality is, no matter what age or how long a person has experienced the freedom you bring, it is still life-transforming, uh, eternity-changing and altering. Lord, even, it even alters generations and families. We thank you for your freedom, Jesus, that you brought by your death on the cross and your resurrection. And our prayer today is that we would take that freedom and not hold it to ourselves, but share it with other people. Help us to do that today and this week. Bless your people from the youngest to oldest. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.